You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Life's Big Questions Where do we find a solution or an answer to anything if we don't believe in God? We no doubt believe that the Earth is a globe without actually seeing it and proving it for ourselves. On that basis of belief in faith, we can also accept that there is a God. Our cells and our DNA prove that there is a God. Only the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. This episode was presented at the Nottingham Forest Road Ecclesia by Brother David Garside. We've got a very important question to consider, haven't we? Possibly the most important question that we can ask ourselves in our lives. Let's just take the position of an atheist or the evolutionist who doesn't believe that there is a God or that the Bible is the word of God. What are our options? Where would we turn for answers? Answers to our very existence on this world. And what does the future hold for us? Do we think that everything that we see around us is all just pure chance? Is that the reason why we are on this planet, existing? The amazing wonders we see of nature all around us and all around the world, perhaps we take it for granted. The fact that we live in these wonderfully complex bodies without giving much thought, really, to how we breathe, how we move, how we convert food into energy, and so on. On the other hand, we cannot deny the problems we see and hear about in the world either, can we? The obvious frailty of our lives, the certainty that life will end at some point, whether through illness, accident, war, starvation, or old age. And unfortunately, the, le- the world left to the devices of human beings looks fairly bleak, doesn't it? We only have to see the news day in and day out. The doctors, the scientists, and the politicians thinking that they have the answers to solve the problems of disease, global warming, pollution, climate change, poverty, famine, war, terrorism. I could go on and on, couldn't I? And every day men and women and children live in fear for their health and their lives all around the world. They have no security in what the future holds for them. So if the doctors, the scientists, and the governments of the world don't have the answers to solve these problems, where do we turn for a solution to the future without a God? If there is a God that exists, surely there is a solution to all of these things and a future for this planet. And our aim is to think about and consider the God that we have revealed for us in the Bible. Why then should I believe in a God I cannot see? 
We've probably all heard of the phrase, seeing is believing. And it's in our human nature, isn't it, to only want to believe in the things that we can see, that we can experience and touch for ourselves, and to doubt the things that we cannot see or cannot comprehend. Therefore, many people reason that if we can't see God or experience, experience him firsthand, then he can't exist. Let's take a very simple demonstration of this. Do you believe that the earth that we live on is a globe? Have you seen it for yourself? Well, I'm pretty sure, like me, you haven't been out into space to look back at the earth and see it as a globe hanging in space. So you've never seen this for yourself. Many ancient cultures, such as the early Egyptians, they believed in a flat earth. For hundreds of years, and even until as late as the 19th century, there are still those who hold on to that flat earth theory. Are we deluded for thinking that the earth is round? It's a globe. It spins on an axis traveling around the sun. We haven't seen it for ourselves from space, and yet I'm sure you, like me, believe that we do live on this sphere. There are many who would have us believe that our lives and everything we have around us has all come around by chance. And without reason, that is to say, to believe in a God means we are deluded. And in the face of such opposition, it can make it very difficult for us to accept that there is a God and that the Bible is his living word of truth, which has been recorded for us to learn of him and of his plan for the earth. This is the message that we often hear from the world. You only have one life. Live it. It's your life. Enjoy it. And these are the messages that people in this world really want to believe in. They have no time for a God. The purpose in their lives is to get the most out of it while they are still alive. And in our lives, we are unfortunately constantly bombarded with these messages, whether through our friends, through colleagues, or through the media. And the message they're giving out is very subtle, isn't it? It's about our rights and how we should be exercising them, living on our planet as they see it, without a God. They are not interested and have no time to believe in a God. You might have seen these adverts. There's probably no God. Now stop worrying and enjoy life. Or the slogan on stationery that says, keep calm, there is no God. This is not a new modern problem, though, is it? And the Bible speaks of such people. I know those who question the authority of the Bible, but we'll look at that in a moment. For now, let's just read some verses from the time of David, the psalmist, that we have recorded in the Bible, and of the flood recorded in Genesis. So we read... And this is what David recorded in his life as an observation of what was going on around him about 3,000 years ago in his day. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire, and the greedy man curses and spurns the Lord. The wicked, in the haughtiness of his countenance, does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And in Genesis we read these words. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, 
and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And that's why God brought about the flood on the earth more than 4,000 years ago. And it was because mankind had turned from trusting in him. Their purposes and their desires turned to enjoying life without a God. They had rejected God, just as many people have today. They would have no doubt ridiculed, ridiculed Noah, wouldn't they, and considered that he was deluded in his day by believing in God and building an ark to save his family and those animals. A story that is very well known, isn't it? So it's not just a modern day problem that we are faced with. So do we try to understand the explanations about how we got here using theories devised by human beings, the theory of evolution, the reasoning of mankind, and enjoy life, carrying on with our lives regardless of why we are here, and then accept that just at the end of our short lives, there is nothing more, just the next generation to carry on our memories. Or, rather than accepting the opinion of men and women, doubting whether God exists and ridiculing those who do believe, do we approach this with an open mind and examine some reasons rationally for ourselves as to why we should believe in a God that we cannot see. Although we cannot see God, if we take time to stop and consider the world around us, we will discover there is a lot of evidence that indicates that there must be a greater power at work in the universe. And that evidence demonstrates clearly that we are not here purely by chance. There is evidence all around us that maybe we just take for granted, and many would try to explain away as chance. And I want us to consider it very briefly and examine some of that evidence which is available to us all. So we have the world we live in, we have the cells and the DNA of our bodies, and I want us to look at one of our joints, the knee joint. Just very briefly consider the world we live in, in very basic terms. And let's approach it with an open, logical, reasoning mind. Is this all chance? Is it evidence of evolution? Or rather, is it evidence of a designer at work? The beauty in nature that we see around us all the time. We live on a planet that is exactly the right distance from the sun. Any closer would be too hot for life. Any further away would be too cold. The air that we breathe, even though we cannot see it, it is just the right mixture of gases, approximately 78% nitrogen and so on. You can see that there. The balance of the atmosphere is maintained by plants absorbing carbon dioxide and producing oxygen. That is until mankind interferes with that balance. And without that level of oxygen that we have quoted there, in the atmosphere there would be no ozone and ultraviolet radiation would destroy life. Is this all pure chance? Through our modern media, we have access to numerous photographs, don't we, and films showing us all the wonders and the beauties of places and animals from around the world. 
Just ask yourself when you see them, is that all chance? Let's think about our own bodies now and let's examine some evidence of what we consist of. We live in a time of great medical and scientific advancement, so we are beginning to understand much more about how we function and how we are constructed. We're made up of many millions of cells and each cell has a different purpose, doesn't it? The following quote is from a book by Walt Brown and he was an evolutionist for much of his life life but after much study he became convinced of the scientific validity of creation his book contains hundreds of quotes from many scientists around the world that had to come and had come to the same conclusion of the validity of creation and design he says if despite virtually impossible odds proteins arose by chance processes there is not the remotest reason to believe that they could ever form a membrane-encased, self-reproducing, self-repairing, metabolizing living cell. There is no evidence that any stable states exist between the assumed formation of proteins and the formation of the first living cells. No scientist has ever demonstrated that this fantastic jump in the complexity could have happened, even if the entire universe had been filled with proteins. Now I'm no scientist, but I can understand what this scientist and other scientists have researched and explained with reasoning. So scientists and doctors can find and discover copious amounts of evidence of intellectual design in every living cell. And something that we can hear a great deal about today is the discovery and importance of DNA and all its complexities. What scientists are discovering now and realizing is that the more that they research, the more they realize that the less they might know about DNA and the other complex complexities of life. George V. Kaler wrote for the biologist, interviewed, writer for the biologist, he interviewed a molecular biologist who was working with DNA, helping to track down the cause of disease. And this is what he said. George, nobody I know in my profession truly believes it evolved. It was engineered by genius beyond genius, and such information could not have been written any other way. The paper and ink did not write the book. Knowing what we know now, knowing what we know, it is ridiculous to think otherwise. And then he goes on to say, to be a molecular biologist requires one to hold on to two insanities at all times. One, it would be insane to believe in evolution when you can see the truth for yourself. Two, it would be insane to say you don't believe in evolution because of the effects of other people thinking about what you're saying. So the evidence of design can be seen by scientists in every living cell of our bodies and in information contained in our DNA but they are forced to deny such things in order to satisfy the reluctance of people to accept that they must be a greater superior designer. Let us just consider very briefly the complexity of a design which indicates intellectual design, our knee joints. We've all got the two knee joints, I think, here this evening. Some might be a bit more creaky than others, but we have very powerful evidence of design right in front of us. The knee 
is an example of a mechanical joint that needs to have several parts that are simultaneously present in order to function. An example of a mechanism that cannot be simplified in any way. It has to be complete to work. Sorry. So perhaps this is a joint that we might take for granted. It isn't just a simple hinge, but a very sophisticated piece of design. The special shape of the tibia bone, having two concave grooves, matches the shape of the femur bone that provide the correct movement needed by this joint, which are held together by two cruciate ligaments, which are kept taut by the rolling action of the bones. These are vital for, for guiding the function of the joint. And the four complex parts all depend on each other being present. If one part of the knee has evolved before another, it would not be functional. If a ligament snaps in an injury, it makes the knee totally useless. And if the bones weren't that particular shape and the ligaments were not attached, attached correctly or the correct tension, then again, it would not work. So how could this have evolved in stages? And just think about all this information that we have here and it's stored in the cells specific to creating a knee joint in an embryo in the womb before the joint is even formed. And that goes for all the different cells and the information needed for a human body. The brain, the organs, the eyes, the list goes on. So looking at any of these, complex designs in our bodies would produce similar evidence of intellectual design. So, so far then, we have very briefly and basically considered the planet we live on, our DNA and the knee joint. This is approaching things from the human point of view, isn't it? Rather than from God's point. Let us now consider the more as important aspect of why we are here. We have a bit of a dilemma now, though, because if we do not believe that a God exists, then why should we believe the Bible is the word of God? The word of a God that we cannot see. Well, we do believe that God does exist, even though no one has and no one can see God. We also believe that the Bible is the word of God, but how do we come to that conclusion? There have been many through many ages who have believed and trusted in God, the God that is revealed in the Bible as a result of studying the word of God. But why? Well, we'll find out it is because we have very real evidence to support that we can believe in the God of the Bible even if we can't see God. So let us just now start considering this very important subject in more detail from the aspect of God's word. We have many things recorded for us in the Bible. We have predictions given by the prophets. We have information about health and welfare. We have information about standards and how to live morally. We have information of design. Surely, if this record provides the accuracy of these predictions that were made, it is reasonable to consider that the rest of the Bible is also accurate 
in other predictions and information. It wouldn't be reasonable, would it, to accept one part but not another. So what I'd like us to do now is to take that reading there at the bottom of the screen, the reading from the book of Daniel, chapter 2. And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep brake from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king and the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. So now reading from verse 19. Then was the secret of the dream revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might, and has made known unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. And he went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon, bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought Daniel in before the king in haste and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen, and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded, cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king? But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets, and maketh known unto the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. The dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet 
part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand and hath made thee ruler over all. Thou art this head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest, the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odours unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. A prophecy from approximately 600 B.C., written down and recorded for us by Daniel before any of these events could have taken place and some which are still to take place. The internal evidence that we can find as we look through the book of Daniel shows that he must have known all about those times when he lived in the Babylonian courts to understand what went on in those Babylonian and Persian times. Something a writer much later on 
could not possibly have known. And this gives us confidence in what we read from the word of God. You can see in these pictures, the top two are the actual pictures of the ruins of Babylon in the current day. Still there, still to be seen. And in the bottom we have the impression of what that city of Babylon would have looked like at the time of Daniel, what he would have experienced. And we have evidence throughout the Bible, through archaeology, proving that the Bible is true as well. But one of the most important messages, which you might have picked up on as we read through that, is that God is in control of the events in the kingdoms of men. And he has set a time limit on the rule of men in the world, as we have just read about. And this will finally be replaced by a kingdom of God that he will set up on this world. So let's have a look at this in just a little bit more detail. Just a few things to help us understand what we have read. So this prophecy, this image that we have recorded for us in this chapter is a very, very important prophecy. And if we read verse 37 to 39 again, we can see the first prediction that is recorded for us. Thou, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven that he hath given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all, thou art this head of gold. And we can see that head of gold, if we look back in history, we will see that the Babylonian Empire was from around 605 to 540 BC under Nebuchadnezzar. But then, what happens? The end, verse 39. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee. That head of gold would be conquered by the Medo-Persian Empire. And this happened in approximately 540 BC. And then after that, Daniel predicts there would be another third kingdom. Another third kingdom, verse 39, of brass which shall bear rule over the earth. And we can see that was the Greek Empire which would replace the Medo-Persian Empire. And the very famous Greek army general, Alexander the Great, defeated the Persian army in 331 BC. The next prediction that we read about is in verse 40. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things. And as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. A fourth kingdom. And we know from the record of history again that from about 150 BC, the Roman power increased in strength and started to encroach upon the Greek Empire until it finally, finally conquered it in about 63 BC. And then we read verse 42. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. 
And whereas thou sowest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. The Roman Empire ended up splitting in AD 395 into an east and a west part, and that lasted until about AD 476. After that, there was no more superpower in the world, but a kingdom split and divided into smaller nations, resulting in the modern nations that we have of Europe today. So here we have, in the Bible, a prophecy given to Daniel many years before these things happened. Daniel, who lived in Babylon about 2,600 years ago, under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar, predicting that Nebuchadnezzar would be there, would be three after, sorry, after Nebuchadnezzar, there would be three more superpowers, and each one would be replaced by the next. And then the kingdoms of men would be divided as we see around us today. And then we're told something really important, aren't we? In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone that was, was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. And by looking at the rest of the Bible teaching and studying these things, we can learn that the stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands and struck that statue and became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. It's referring to someone in particular. Referring to the time when Jesus will return. The son of God. When God will set up his kingdom on this earth. Which will never be destroyed. And God's glory will fill the earth. So we are in a very privileged position today. To actually read these words. And to look back and see through history that these evidences really confirm that the prophecy Daniel gave was true. And right up today we can see the fulfilling of these prophecies. But of course, we haven't seen the final fulfillment. We haven't seen the return of the Lord Jesus. So these are yet future. Now we've only very briefly touched on this subject and given us a, a taste of what the Bible contains for us in this basic overview of this prophecy. And it requires very careful and in-depth study, consideration of this whole book as well as in conjunction with the rest of the Bible to appreciate its full significance. Why then should we believe that the Bible is the word of a God that we cannot see? Well, I think it's reasonable and logical to accept that this is evidence which cannot be denied and is supported by history. Could these predictions be so accurately described in advance in any other way? If you think carefully about it, it leaves us with only two options. Either we have to accept it as the word of God, 
or we have to think that it has come from man. But we know that if the Bible has to, is to have any authority, then it would have to be an inspired word of God, not the work of man. And we can see that from history. We read in the New Testament, but know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. All Scripture is inspired. It is divinely breathed, given to those writers to record. And God caused Daniel to record those words. That prophecy those ones that have been fulfilled already in history, but also those that have yet to be fulfilled. And they were recorded for our learning. They were recorded that we might respond to that. And although there have been many writers in the, from, from all different backgrounds that uh, have written in the Bible, over one and a half thousand years, the Bible has one author, and it gives us a very consistent message throughout there are no contradictions. Accurate predictions that are fulfilled are proven powerful, powerful evidence of a power greater than us at work. And if we examine that evidence for ourselves, our conclusion will certainly lead us to a realization that there must be a God. Without the Bible, as we started this talk this evening, we have nothing to go on except speculation with those of human limited abilities. We're just guessing, aren't we, at the possibilities and the probabilities of how we exist today if we don't turn to God. Therefore, I would suggest that we're not merely here by chance or without a reason, but everything we see in the world is by design of some superior authority and power. That is a God, the God, the God who created the heaven and the earth and everything that we know in it. So now we have come full circle, haven't we? And if we go to the very first chapter of the Bible, we would read the first words. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And so from those very first words in the Bible, and right throughout the whole of the scripture, you will find that references to God are abundant in his design and purpose with this planet and to us on it. If we don't believe in creation or that God exists, it leaves us with only one alternative, to discount that authority of the design of God and to say that it all came about by chance. Did life on earth come about by chance? We have a choice, don't we? All these wonders that we see, the theory of evolution requires us to believe that all of this happened without purpose. If we do believe in God, then we see design in all aspects of life. There is no need to try and form theories as to why we are here, but it is quite simply the way we have been made. And we have everything explained clearly for us in the Bible, the Word of God. 
everything from creation. So evidence of the earth as a sphere. We brought this up earlier, didn't we? But let's just look at the evidences. We've never been in space and seen this, but we know there are satellites that orbit the, orbit the earth. We have seen photographs from space. We observe sunrises and sunsets. All of these reasons help us to understand that we live on an earth because we have evidence for it. But we have greater evidence, don't we? We have evidence of creation in all that we see. And we read this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. So why is it important to believe in a God I cannot see? We see evidence of a design. More importantly, we see evidence of Bible prophecy and the consistency of the Bible's message. God has put in his creation and in his word evidence of his supreme authority that can be clearly seen. His design shows through in everything that we see and we have to recognize that and see it what, for what it is. I'd like to leave you with just two quotes to think about. In the day of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. That was the verse that we took from our prophecy in Daniel. It shall stand forever. A kingdom that will never be destroyed, set up on this earth. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And what a wonderful hope there is for this world where God's glory will fill the earth and God has provided a way for those who trust in him to trust in his word to be a part of that kingdom through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that will be set up on this earth. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org.
So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at btf at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.